How many can say amen to that today? Amen. How many has been afraid? Serving the Lord, you been afraid? Yeah, me too. I'm afraid right now. Every time I get up to preach, I get afraid. It's less facing every day of life. In the hour we live in, we just never know what a day will hold, do we? We never know what the world is going to do. We never know what people are going to do. Uh, all the things that we face in this day, I'm so grateful that we have a stability in the Lord to be able to help us. <clears throat> Psalms 37, verse 3. Brother Louis already announced it, but there'll be a youth service, Lord willing, tomorrow. Brother Rob asked me to speak at that service. So, from 40 and under, and maybe even some of you that's 8 or 90, Brother Jack, you kind of feel young tomorrow, you can come. <laughs> young at heart. <clears throat> Psalms 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Listen to the scripture. I know I've quoted it to you a lot in the last 36 years. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That is a broad spectrum of a scripture. Listen to it carefully again. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. How can God do that? How can God make such a broad statement that he will give you the desires of your heart? Oh, but you see, that's not the first part. The first part is, Delight thyself also in the Lord. So your delight will regulate your request. So a real child of God who serves the Lord with all of their heart, they're not disposed to ask of anything knowingly that would be against Father's will. So that's why he could make such a bold statement that if you delight yourself in the Lord, there's no way you willingly are going to ask for anything that you know would displease him. So this is why God can put it in this way. And this is why that he will grant it to you. Notice in verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord and trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. What? Your desires. You can see why he can't give this to everybody. Only those who delight in him and those who commit. Notice the word he used there, commit thy way unto the Lord. So your desire is toward him. Your very happiness is built on pleasing him. Oh, you want to try to get along with everybody as much as you can, but ultimately, God is first. If you have to cross mama, you cross her. If you have to cross daddy, whoever it is, you cross them. Because God is the one you want to please first. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. Matthew 18, 19. Again I say unto you. That if any two of you shall agree on earth 
as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, are we here today for that reason, that purpose? There am I. So I hope you come today with that in mind. This is not usual. This is not church as usual. This is while I'm going to church today. Jesus is here. So whatever you got need of, he's here. This is his promise. That's not me. It's not you. It's not anyone else here that made that. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I mean, he's got a request today on your heart, a desire, a petition. Let's just take it before the Lord. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor to be gathered together again today in your presence, in your house. We thank you, Father, for each one that has put forth the effort to come today. And we're just believing that you'll honor their efforts, their sacrifices of coming to the house of God. We pray, Father, not only for the visible audience, but for those that are invisible, those who would love to be here today and sick and can't come, those, Lord, that are streaming in different parts of the earth. We pray that you'll be mindful of them today, Lord, and, and their needs. And Lord, as we have come here, we have many, many needs in our homes, in our lives, our bodies, our church. We bring them before you. Lord, we never knowingly would ask anything contrary to your will. We want your will above all things. Though sometimes your will is opposite of our will, but we really want your will because our will is what's got us in so much trouble. So we pray you'd make your word real to us today, that we can walk out of this place with a new understanding about what you desire for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many believes these scriptures are true? Amen. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 23, and then I'm going to ask you again. How many believes this scripture is true? This one is one of the most profound scriptures to me in the New Testament <clears throat> as far as the way that the Lord Jesus put it, and it was one that actually stumbled the prophet himself. Now, not stumble to unbelief, but stumble to understand, to try to comprehend what the Lord Jesus was saying. Notice this, Mark eleven twenty three, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, I want you to get the setting before we go to the next part of this verse. The Lord Jesus is down in the Kidron Valley. Now, for those of you who have been in Jerusalem, you know Jerusalem is built up on a hill. And then there's a valley that comes down like this on the eastern gate, which is where they believe the Messiah will come into. There's a gigantic graveyard. 
So you go out the eastern gate, you come down through here, here's the graveyard, go down through the Kidron Valley, and then you come over to Absalom's tomb, you go down to the Church of All Nations, which is uh, where the garden, supposedly the Garden of Gethsemane was at. So here's the city, comes down like this, down through a broad valley, and then you start ascending on the other side. Now there's another mount here, Mount Scopus, also called the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Ascension is called several different names. Now, the Lord Jesus is standing there on the, in the proximity of the city. So, he tells them, now, if you will believe in your heart. Now, the reason this question has been raised is because he had come through just a day or so prior to this, and he had cursed a fig tree. And he looked at the fig tree, and it didn't have no fruit on it. So, the Lord Jesus cursed that fig tree. Now, what's amazing is it was not actually even time for the fruit to be on the tree. But he wasn't doing this out of season. Remember, prophets work in symbols. So he cursed this fig tree because the fig tree was a type of Israel. So he curses this tree and he says, Lord, no fruit hence forever grow on you. Well, they turn right back around and they come through within another day or so. And whenever they do, they look at the fig tree and the disciples are just, they're just overwhelmed. They said, Lord, look at the tree. Look look at what happened to the tree. Now, no doubt they didn't understand it. It was more than just that tree, but it was Israel's future because Israel was like the fig tree. So he had come to them and they had produced the fruit. Now the fig comes forth in several different stages. So by this stage, the fig tree had sent forth the precursor of the fruit. But yet the fruit, there was none there, even in the pre-fruit stage. So he saw that the tree was not going to put forth what it should do. And it was the same with Israel as a nation. They should have recognized him. They should have known who he was. They should have believed him, but they didn't. So what did he do? He cursed them. Now then from verse, this verse prior to this, then Jesus turns and then he says that the apostles were just surprised and mesmerized by what had happened. And then we go in to what Jesus said here in Mark 11, 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, So he turns from the fig tree, which would have been there in the Kidron Valley, somewhere on the side of the mountain. And he turns and says, now whoever will say to this mountain. So he turns, maybe turns his body around and he's standing looking like this. So there is the Mount of Olives. Who will say to this mountain? Now we know he's not literally speaking about the mountain itself, but he was speaking in a parable. Because that mountain, the Lord Jesus will descend upon that mountain according to the book of Zechariah, the prophecy, and he will come. So that scripture could not have been pertaining to that mountain literally, but it was a parable. But he wanted to just blow their minds. He wanted to just so blow their thinking to what they thought faith really was. So he turns to the Mount of Olives and said, you think that's something? I'll say to you that if you will believe and not doubt in your heart and you'll have faith, 
that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Now that within itself would have been a pretty phenomenal thing. You're going to say to a mountain, be thou removed and the Mount of Olives will pick up and be cast into the sea. Anybody know where the nearest sea was? The Sea of Galilee. Many miles away. Now the Lord Jesus says something that seems like an impossibility. But he wanted to do that in order to get them to focus on what the church can really do. If they'll see who they are. Now, as I said, no one ever moved the Mount of Olives, and he wasn't even speaking about it per se. But it was what is called a hyperbole, which is something that is stretched out so far beyond reality in order to show you a spiritual symbol. So he's saying something that will never happen, something that absolutely he never intended to happen, but he wanted to use something in a parabolical form that they would look at it and look at one another and say, you got to be kidding me. You mean if I really believe I could say to the Mount of Olives, be thou cast into the sea, and of course they were from Galilee, and they knew how far it was from there to Galilee, so a miracle to be able to speak to the mountain and the mountain be plucked up, and another miracle that by your word, that mountain would carry in the air for miles and miles and miles and miles and be set down in the Sea of Galilee. You see, when you look at it in that setting, it's no wonder that the Scripture so stumped the prophet and it would cause him to marvel at why the Lord Jesus would say it this way. Now with that in mind, let's read it again. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says. Now this is what got the prophet. It wasn't what God said. It's what you said. Well, I guess we might as well dismiss and go home from the looks of y'all's faces. <laughs> you mean a person could receive something from God in such a way and God would use their mouth to say it and if they believed it was God, even as great as a mountain could be moved out of their way. I notice this. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I wonder how many of us are there today. You don't see my hands flying up, do you? I wonder how far we are, church, 
beneath what the Lord wants us to be. Now, we think, my goodness, to disbelieve God's word, that's a terrible thing, and it is. But can you imagine God making a word so real to you that it would be a sin for you to believe, disbelieve your word? Praise the Lord. As I said, it's not church as usual today. Now, God knew that there would only be a very few people on the earth that would ever embrace this promise. But he said it nonetheless. It's not said for the masses. The majority of Christianity will never even understand such a thing. Notice verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, the master saying unto the servants, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them. I want you to notice a word that Jesus did not use here in the receiving part, and it was will or shall. But can you imagine a person that when they believe it, they actually get it right then? Now, this is not my words. My words would be debatable and you could argue. These are not words to argue with this morning. Listen again carefully. I'm speaking to you now about the bride's rights. Therefore, I say unto you that what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Now, notice he doesn't put the shall before the receive. But with real faith, you believe that you already have them before you actually get them. Now, would you notice this word I looked at it this morning and studying on it for a bit. The simple little word receive. And most of us probably feel like we know what it means, but just give me a few minutes just to verify it for you. Now, he says, if you will believe that ye receive them, ye shall have them. Now, the word receive means take, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. To take what is one's own. So it's already yours. Now what are we talking about? We're talking about substance faith. Which is perfect faith. It's a step beyond our intellectual faith. To where we sat and hear it preached over and over and over and over again. And then we build up a knowledge about it. Yes, I believe Malachi 4. I believe Mark 16. I believe St. John 14, 12. These signs shall fall them to believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But you and I have faced things in our life that intellectual faith will not conquer. It takes the faith of Jesus himself. I don't believe that our faith alone will ever meet the challenge of the hour that lays before us. I believe it'll take this faith right here. So once you notice then that Jesus uses this word in the Greek Aramaic language and that this was the meaning of it, to take 
what is one's own. So it's already been revealed to you that it is yours and what you're doing, the word receiving, is that you're taking what is already yours. God's done revealed it to you and the work is over. It don't matter if it's what the doctor says, what anybody else says, as far as you're concerned, it's a finished work. To take what is one's own, to make one's own, to claim of that which when taken is not let go to seize, to seize. So to receive then is to seize upon the divine promise of God made personal to you by divine revelation. You seize your possession even though you do not have one physical proof, one material proof, one scientific proof that one thing has happened, but you don't even care. Because to you, it is already substance. Now we're talking about perfect faith. So what is perfect faith? What differentiates it between that and regular faith? Well, regular faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. And that type of faith will do lots of things. Many of the New Testament miracles in the days of the Lord Jesus, it was that simple faith. They heard about a son of God, they believed he was the Messiah, and their needs were great, and they simply believed it. They did not have a Bible to read, they did not have tapes to listen to, they had no New Testament preachers, there were no such a thing. But their needs were so great, and the gospel in its simple stage was able to touch the common people. And they heard the word, and they believed it. And if you notice many times when the authors would write, they would talk about how desperate their needs was. The Syrophoenician woman having a daughter that was grievously vexed of the devil. It does not mention how great her understanding of the word was. It was the need was so great and so pressing and so against them. They needed help so bad. You understand what I'm saying? So it wasn't like that they had this great paramount revelation of the word. They really didn't. It shows they didn't understand who he was because some of them that got healed were part of the throng and the multitude that cried a little while later, crucify this guy, he's a blasphemer. So it proves they did not have real revelation faith. But yet they had faith that was momentary. They had faith that was a pulsation, something that dropped down and they were able to get what they need at the time. But it never led them to salvation, never led them to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with that type of faith, but I want a faith that'll lead me on, don't you? I don't want to just be healed. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be raptured ultimately out of this world. So I want you to notice now that the Lord Jesus is bringing something to the apostles that no doubt they must have got together later and talked about. Did you understand what he was saying? What about you? Did, did it make any sense to you? I don't understand what in the world he was getting at. Was he saying that we could actually say something? Well, he had given them the pattern of him cursing the fig tree. He's fixing to tell them, of course, further on in the Gospels in Matthew that whatever they would bind on earth would actually be bound in heaven. He's also going to go on and tell them, whoever sins that you remit, they are remitted. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Oh, my. Yo, I believe the church 
Uh, God's representative on the earth is going to come to her full position before we leave this world in a rapture. Now, notice the Lord Jesus bringing in the gospel. And I wonder how many years it was before uh, they first began to really understand these passages of Scripture. I no doubt some of you read them for years. I wonder how many of us sit here today and understand them. Now, does this mean that we're going to go around and just say things? Well, this is going to come to pass, and that's going to come to pass, and this is going to happen. No, we've, we've seen a bunch of that stuff. We want it to be only when God sovereignly gives it to us. Now, can that happen to a person that's not a preacher? Of course it can. That happened to a woman that's filled with the Holy Ghost? Yep, sure can. But it will not be at will. It will not be whenever we say, well, I want this to happen tomorrow. We don't have no say when it happens, how it happens, or who it happens to. It is sovereignly given by God. Remember question answer 64? Brother Branham, if you were pressed upon would you speak someone into a certain condition? Now, the prophet catches that question to me. It sounded like a muddled up mess. But he caught that question. He said, now, the person here has got a very good question. Now, he said, what they're saying and what they're referring to, they didn't say this, of course, but he said what they're referring to is the speaking of the word. Now, the person was asking that if they themselves were in a state, a spiritual state, and they could not overcome something or override something. Would a prophet be able to speak the word and speak them into a state of perfection? Now, then Brother Renham answers this, and he says, well, you know, that's a really good question, but they said they're referring to the speaking of the squirrels and all that, but he said, if you don't notice, that was sovereignly given. Brother Branham did not ask for squirrels. Brother Branham did not ask for that to be displayed on Hattie Wright. Is that right? He did not ask for his own wife. He did not ask for those things, but something dropped down in the room where he was. What is that something? Or should I say, who is that something? So it is not something that we as the people of God will control at will. Well, today I'm going to go out and I'm going to empty the hospitals. Tomorrow I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do that. The Bible never teaches any such nonsense. The apostles never done that. They were led by the Holy Ghost. So I think it ought to really motivate us to be closer to God than we've ever been in our entire lives. And the saints said, so faith accepts this as it's as good as done, even though the actual answer is still in the future. Faith accepts it as if it's already done, though the evidence may not be made manifest for quite some time. And the church said, now, would you notice how Jesus then goes from this great revelation of faith into verse 25, Mark eleven twenty-five, and when ye stand praying. Now, that breaks some of our traditions because we think God only hears us whenever we kneel. But actually, if you'll study the Jewish custom, you'll find out that they did much of their praying standing up. For those of you who have ever been to the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, as they call it, and it's the remnants of some of the blocks of stone that was part of the Herodian temple, 
and they years later they come and lined them up and there's big cracks inside of those stones and those Jews come in, Christians as well, and they will write their prayer requests and stuff them inside. I mean, absolutely tens of thousands of them. They've done it for years and years and years. And whenever they stand there and the real Jews, you, you don't have to wonder really who the Jews are because whenever they stand there, they will read a portion of the book of Psalms. And when they stand there, the men will stand there like this. And they will have the little skull cap on the back. They make you as a Gentile also wear one. I wore one whenever I went down there. I didn't stand there and do this because I didn't really think I needed to. But they stand there because they say that you cannot read the book of Psalms without getting stimulated. I kind of do like that idea though. But they would stand there and you didn't see any of them or I never, I've been there a couple of times. I never saw one of them, Brother Rob, actually kneeling down. So they were standing. You know, I think it's a trick of the devil to get us in our mind thinking that our body has to be in a certain posture before the Lord will hear our prayer. But the Lord Jesus said, when you stand, pray. Well, if it's more reverent to be kneeling, wouldn't he say that? Now, there's times that I actually prostrate myself before the Lord and I will lay flat on my face, flat right down on my body, totally right down on, on my face before the Lord and I will lay there till ever I get done. But I don't do that all the time because my nose is big enough and I sure don't want to look like a D9 hit me in the face. So, but you know, in our thinking, and the Satan does that to rob you so that you think that you can't pray on the job and you can't pray when you're at lows and you can't pray when you're, you can pray almost anywhere at any time. And it's nothing but the devil to try to convince you that the Lord Jesus only hears you. Well, that's not what he said himself. So notice now how he's going to bring into perspective of perfect faith another great, great thing. He said, when you stand praying, forgive. Now we've gone from speaking the word and God dropping a rhema word inside of your mouth and you speaking that word and you believing what you've said will come to pass. And you can imagine when Brother Branham was there in the squirrels in Kentucky whenever this happened and he was so overwhelmed. So he began to speak. Let the one come here and do this, that, and the other. And he chose spots that a, a squirrel does not go. It doesn't go through poison ivy. It doesn't go through here and there. It just won't do it. But he spoke it that way because he wanted to prove that it was something supernatural and divine. And yet, whatever he said, here I am, Lord, something's happening here. I am beside myself. What in the world is going on? And he got up and he was ready to leave. And the voice said, but you said, so many. You said, do you doubt what you said? Do you doubt what you said? No, Lord. No, Lord. He's so beside himself. No, Lord. I believe. Where will it come? Speak it. Now, God was not speaking it, but the prophet was. Oh, Lord. Children, don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your sons, your daughters, your grandkids, your family members that God keeps burdening you for. And you say, oh, if I could just get to Brother Ron. Oh, if I could get to Brother Tim. If I could get to Brother Daryl. Maybe they'd speak a word. Maybe. But what if God wants to use the mouth of the mother? What if God wants to use the mouth of the father? 
when the father's down praying and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost so comes in the room where he is and he knows it's not his own word. It's not his own inspiration. But he says it, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I claim my son for the kingdom of God. That devil that is holding his life, let go house of hell. You can no longer hold my son, my daughter, my wife, my husband, and by your word, God will set them free. Now don't sit there and look at me funny. I believe that the Holy Ghost is not only in the ministry. I believe the Holy Ghost is in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus speaking is such a great thing about faith, but notice what he ties in with such great faith. And when you stand praying, forgive. Wow. So we're just talking about speaking the word, and then he goes from speaking the word to forgiveness. Why? Because you will not be able to have this open channel between you and God if you've got a spirit of unforgiveness. Now, I know this probably ain't for nobody here this morning, but I'm going to say it for some of them sorry dogs that stream the services. And some of you little angels here, you bear with me and give me a few minutes, will you? While I'm dealing with whoever this is out there, where's them cameras at this morning? All right, you sorry thing. Let me get a view up there and you up there. Maybe, maybe it's that brother down in Patagonia, Chile, where I got an email from him where he was talking about the services where they stream, can you imagine? Down there in Patagonia, Chile, all the way down in South America, and God is reaching people. Oh yeah, he's reaching them all over the world. Why, he's getting the people ready to go for the rapture. So maybe it's to that brother there, but let me say this, you'll never be able to move in that type of harmony with God if you have an unforgiving spirit. Now, there's a great difference in an unforgiving spirit and you and I with our human makeup maybe being made in such a way. And there's certain strains that run in families that some families find it very hard to forgive people. That's not necessarily a spirit. It's a trait or a nature that runs in that family. Now, I don't expect amens for the next little bit. Maybe some of them on the internet can at least just blink their lights or something, so let me know. Or hurt somebody. Thank you there, brother. Uh, But yet, there's some people that really, really struggle with being able to forgive people. Now, when people will trespass against them and hurt their feelings and maybe say something, and we've all been there and done that, haven't we? We've all had our feelings hurt and we've been disappointed and let down by people. And I dare say probably most of us have hurt as many as have hurt us, if not the other way around. Well, go ahead and say amen, you might as well. We want to let on like we're the ones that get hurt all the time. Our mouth is too fat and we're all too much blabbermouths to tell me that we've not hurt people with our fat jaws and our mouth flapping when we ought to be quiet and listening. Preach, Brother Donnie. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> so the Lord Jesus now is bringing this in. What I find astounding is if you get time and you'd like to listen to this message entitled Perfect Faith, that when the prophet reads this very scripture here in Mark 11, And then he bases the subject, perfect faith, on these scriptures I just read to you this morning. And then right after reading the scripture, the very next words that he says in the following paragraph is, so we see that faith is based upon forgiveness. 
Oh, wait a minute. I, I thought that faith was based upon hearing the word. Well, that type of faith is. But now we're looking at a faith that is beyond just what church members have. Let me tell you something, friends. The more you look into, uh, you know, a lot of these folks that don't believe there's a God and we evolved from a monkey and we evolved from an ape and some of that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I've been looking at some of the stuff of what they say and I realize it takes more faith to believe what they believe than it does for you. And I believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, we just got a simple faith and we believe it. To believe a one-sale deal got out there in the middle of a green pond scum and it turned into all this stuff we got today, that would take a lot of faith. Amen. But yet you realize that this element of faith, now with an intellectual faith, a person can believe God, tap into certain aspects of the promise of God and still be one that does not forgive. Yeah, because it won't really hinder their intellectual faith because they think they're all right. And they will hide behind that flaw, as Brother Aaron mentioned here Wednesday night. Didn't he do a beautiful job? Well, that's just my family. It's just the way we are. Well, you see, your intellectual faith will make excuses for that. But when you break into this realm of faith, now you're standing there, you're praying for a loved one. God, my daughter's got a need. My son's got a need. Oh, Lord, I need a word. Oh, God, I need something. And then while you're praying that way, all of a sudden, you remember you did something to somebody or said something to somebody. Wow, what a peculiar time. Not really. Because if you're in the spirit of prayer, it's the best time for God to deal with you. When you stand praying, forgive. So divine forgiveness toward a believer and a believer's forgiveness toward another believer are associated together. In reality, you can not have the deep degree of one without having the deep degree of the other. Those who cannot forgive men their trespasses aren't truly forgiven before God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, sit there and look at me and then I'll read you the scripture on it and then I'll look back at you when I do. Now, notice when you stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven, you mean my forgiveness is based upon my forgiveness? <laughs> Whoa! I thought my forgiveness was based upon him. You see, if I don't forgive people, then my day to forgive, now don't get this mixed up. My forgiveness of being a sinner is already taken care of and that can only come from him. But what we're talking about after a child of God is your daily forgiveness that every one of you, including me, need every day of your life. Now do you understand you not forgiving someone else does not mean that you're not a Christian. No, that comes by the initial forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. But your daily forgiveness will stop when you for refuse to forgive someone else. So you say something wrong, you do something wrong, you look at something wrong, 
you have a bad attitude, temper, you know, whatever it is, and you say the words, oh, Lord, forgive me, oh, Lord, forgive me. But he actually does not because you'll not forgive so-and-so of their trespasses against you. Praise the Lord. Can I go on? You all want me to stop. Go on? All right. So watch now. So divine forgiveness. Now remember, this is not human forgiveness. This is divine capability. Divine forgiveness toward a believer is linked together with his divine forgiveness back to you. Now remember, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. We believe it, right? Notice verse 26. But if ye do not forgive. Oh my goodness. Neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You mean so me receiving daily forgiveness is stopped halted, comes to a screeching halt until I can forgive whoever it is that has done me wrong. Praise the Lord. Wow. Could this be one reason why we don't see a greater manifestation of God's presence in our midst? Oh, it's so much easier to let your hair grow out sometimes. And your brothers quit wearing this and that and the other and quit doing this and that. That's on the outside. This is inside stuff. This is inside stuff right here. Nobody even knows it. Maybe your wife or your husband don't even know that you've got a grievance or you've got an all against someone. Yep, and you go to pray. It bothers you. I know I need to. I know I need to. I'm going to fix that thing one of these days. Why not today? Why not today? Go ahead and declare war on it today and say, by God's grace, I'm going to put this thing under my feet. Oh, but Brother Donnie, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. I'm sure that I don't. And I'm sure you don't know how bad I've been hurt since I've been a Christian most of my life. So, you know, you don't expect, you don't expect really much out of sinners. But out of Christians, you expect them to be people of honesty and integrity and character, Right? And you expect them to love one another and pray for one another and so on and so on and so on. So where's my greatest hurts come from? Where's yours come from? Christians. Anybody say amen with me? Who who have you been the most disappointed in? The the guy down at the bar or the guy somewhere, you know, robbing a bank? He really disappointed you? Well, he shouldn't. That's the way he is. Or has it been Christians that you went to church with? Now, you see, these are inseparably linked together. My husband, I'll tell you what, he done so and so, I'll I'll never forgive him. Which means God will never again forgive you. Let's read it again, the words of the Lord Jesus. And word of life says, but if ye do not forgive, neither will your father. So we're not talking about sinners now holding grudges, but we're talking about real children of God in so much that Jesus called these children 
the children of God and call God their father. You mean a Christian can hold such an unforgiving spirit and an unforgiving attitude. Don't nobody bat an eye now. Don't nobody's cheeks turn all red because you'll tell on yourself, sure as the world. A, a Christian can do that? Yes, my brother, sister, I've met them around the world. Around the world. And you and I, you, we all know how we are as human beings. And we are so faulty and so flawed. Some people have no problem at all being able to see all kinds of faults. I mean, they can see it. They look this way. They see it. They look that way. And the only direction they see no fault is when they turn their eyes toward their self. And they see God's perfect, holy example of a Christian. And they just don't understand why everybody else don't want to be just like them. God only had one example, and that wasn't you. It was the Lord Jesus himself. Praise the Lord. So a person then can have a level of, of intellectual faith and be able to make certain promises of God come to pass. Maybe they can break into the aspect of being able to tithe and give. And they'll say, God said give and it'll be given unto you. Shaken down, pressed together. I'll call men to give unto your bosom. They don't live right a bit more nothing, but yet they will finance. I've known of people over the years that were not even Christians and they would support missions and they would support radio preachers and television and preachers. Remember, I was a Pentecostal, so I worked with a guy that was on television. I worked with him, and for years I was there with him, and I knew a little bit about the finances, and there was people that was business people, coal operators in that part of West Virginia, and they would give him thousands times thousands of dollars, and they would be a bit more Christians than us, and God would bless them and bless them financially, and they found that out, and they worked on that one promise of God. You say, that ain't a message. Yes, it is. Spoken words, original seed. Now, notice then God don't just want his bride to, op, to be able to operate on the aspect of tithes and offerings. On the aspect of receiving divine healing, God wants us to operate on the ultimate aspect that one day we will be looking in the mirror and the sweep will come over our bodies and we'll be changed. We're not just this, this, this cycle ends with this generation. Do you understand this cycle of life and death has been ongoing for thousands of years? I believe I can say it with all of my heart and not be out of the continuity of God's word. I believe in this generation, the cycle of life and death and burial will be interrupted forever. I believe there are people in this building today who will not die but will be changed by the power of God. It's going to take more faith than Luther had. It's going to take more faith than Wesley. It's going to take more faith than Pentecost. It's got to be an end time faith for an end time people for an end time revelation. So here you are, you're praying on your face and your closet, standing, wherever it is. And you really need something from God. You're desperate. Oh God, I need, I need, I need this, I need that. And sometimes we don't even know what we need. You know what I'm saying? We get there and we, we just don't even want to even pray for. I've been there many a time. You just don't want to even ask him. But I'm glad I've got another language. 
or two or three or four when I don't know how to pray. Sometimes I don't know how to pray for people. And I'll pray and I'll pray and then all of a sudden I just let myself go and I start speaking in another language. And every time he ever does that, there's not a time that I don't see divine deliverance. That's crazy. That ain't the message. You need to listen to the message a little more. As a matter of fact, you'll find God's prophet being there in a hotel room and Billy coming to get him to speak. Brother Brown was down praying and he said he'd heard somebody thought speaking in German. And they were speaking so fast and he said he thought, I want you to listen to that man. He is speaking so fast and he said, come to find out, it was me. Little did Brother Branham know they was bringing a woman across on the highway on a thing, it was a 35 Chevrolet. And the woman, had her, her, her body was in terrible, terrible shape. And her, her body began to bleed and hemorrhage out in the back seat of the car. And they pulled the woman out of the car on the side of the road and thought the woman was going to die. Brother Branham said it was an urgent need. Her angel come down in the hotel room where that prophet was and begin to take his mouth and pray out of him words he did not even know. Well, come on, somebody. Begin to pray out of him words that he did not know. And the angel of the Lord, well, they finally come on. But God moved for the woman. They brought her on to the meeting. Of course, she's having a spell. Who wouldn't? Even some of the word of life folks might have shouted a little bit. <laughs> You're at the point of death and God resurrects you and brings it up there. And they run a microphone down there and said, what time did this happen? And they said, it was a certain, certain time. It was the exact same time the prophet was down in the motel room. And the spirit of God, he said once that happened, he felt like he could run the loop through a wall and run through a troop and vice versa. Why? Because the presence of God had moved in such a way. Oh, but we're message people, right? We don't believe in the supernatural. Speak for yourself. I believe we need the supernatural power of God greater than we've ever. I'm not talking about fanaticism. I'm not talking about 1906 Pentecost. I'm talking about the original baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire coming down, changing our lives. But if you, listen now, us here today, if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. I don't know about you, I cannot imagine living one day with that scripture applying to me. Now maybe some of y'all are better than I am, maybe y'all live closer to God than I am, I sort of doubt it. <laughs> Since I know most of you, rotten, sorry outfit. Not talking about your soul, I'm talking about your body. You ain't gonna tell me all oh, everybody comes here as angels so the Lord wouldn't have these preachers preaching the way they're preaching. If everybody here was angels, they'd be preaching on the horizontal rainbow and the dimensional light and so on and so forth, but they preach on forgiveness and arguing and fussing. Well, that tells me a whole lot right there. That pretty well describes everybody around the message around the world, don't it? And that will be the great paradox that God will be able to consummate the prophecy of his word with who? Angels? No, human beings that were born lost. Human beings that were born contaminated 
contaminated with all types of flaws and failures and faulty things about them. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost goes inside of their soul and changes them and makes them a new creature. And little by little, quote by quote, tape by tape, service by service, they say, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I'll make it right. Lord, I'm sorry, I'll make it right. Brother Don, every time I go to church, I'm hearing more about myself that ain't right. Well, I'll say praise God to that. That means the Lord loves us and he wants to get us ready to leave this world. If he didn't love you, he would leave you where you are. Praise God. So you're praying, oh Jesus, please, Father, help me and my family, Lord, please help me. And all of a sudden, you know that feeling you've got against so-and-so? Now, Lord, that ain't you. That's that old devil. Get out of here, devil. Isn't it amazing when we're in prayer and then something comes up? Now, if that happens again, about 383 times, then I'll act on it. Is it any wonder that we don't get any farther in Christ Jesus? St. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me and my words. Now, we've looked at this before, but this is not logos, but rhema. Click on it when you get home. All you got to do is go to the Word here in your, in your Bible, and you can click on the Word, and it'll open it up to the Greek lexicon. It'll show you the meaning of the Word. It's rhema. That which applies for the hour, what you're needing, the current need. Notice how Jesus says this. So if you abide me and my words, my rhemas abide in you. This is why folks can be full of logos and still miss the rapture. That's why folks don't understand the necessity of a message in the end time. Look, friends, people have been reading this Bible and studying this Bible for thousands of years. Has studying the Bible alone produced a rapture? Come on, don't get quiet on me. Has it? No. People have had healing campaigns for years. Has had healing campaigns produced a rapture? Absolutely not. It's having signs, wonders, and miracles. I've seen all that in my ministry in Pentecost. I've seen all kinds of signs and wonders. I've had signs following my ministry ever since I was a boy preacher. It didn't just happen when I come to the message. I had great signs and supernatural wonders. Why? Because that's what I was taught and that's what I believed. But yet we got to have more than that. We've got to have more. Well, we believe God sent a prophet. Yes, we believe God sent a prophet. But what did he say once he got here? So if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. Not what I will. But if you abide in me and my rhemas abide in you, then ask what you will. But there again, if this is happening in you, you'll never ask him intentionally for anything that would be out of his will. You know why? His will and your will from your soul are the same thing. Now, not the will of your flesh, 
That's why you say, oh, God, more than anything, I want your word. God, more than anything, I want to do what you want me to do. Your flesh don't want that. But your soul, if it's born again, what's it want, God? I want your will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So if you abide in me and my rhema's abide in you, then ask what you want. Because I know these category of people. Now, categorically, Jesus is speaking to a very small, minute group of people down through a 2,000-year span of seven church ages. There would only be a few that would ever be able to grab this scripture. And he would say, this is yours. This is yours. I said this down at Brother Jason Watkins Church, and they like to pass out when I said it. And I'll say it to you all. There's certain scriptures in the Bible I have no desire to fulfill. Somebody's going through the tribulation period. I don't desire to fulfill that one. Somebody's going to get the mark of the beast. I don't desire to fulfill that one. Somebody's going to stand before him and be judged and call them false anointed ones. I don't desire to fulfill that one. I do desire to fulfill this one. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Look, friends, look. We can judge where we are spiritually in Christ Jesus by measuring the distance between our wheels. That's your gauge. It's not the anointing, it's not running, it's not emotion. We believe in all of that. But yet we want to judge where we are by the gauge of our will. Our will in proximity to his. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then I will give you this freedom. Ask me what you want to. And I'll do it for you. Help me, Jesus. Ask what you will, and it shall be done. Not maybe, not perhaps. It will be. But the criterion of this verse must be met. You see, people will quote this, and then they'll ask, well, I, I want this or that or the other. Uh, God, I ask it in the name of Jesus. And they don't even say, well, that ain't true. Yes, it's true. But they did not meet the requirement of the criterion that God demanded. If ye abide in me and my words abide, my words live, my words motivate, my words are your pleasure, my words are your desire, my words are what you live for. Oh, glory to God. While I go to church once a week, whether I need to or not, I pay my tithes and I can afford it. I help the widow when I can afford it. No, you're not abiding in the word. Oh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, they live there constantly. They guide you. They lead you. They correct you. They encourage you then when you get there then ask what you will herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall you be my disciples oh You see, they were first called Christians at Antioch. Today, the term Christian is one that's been accepted now, of course, for several millennia. But in that day, to be called a Christian was not complimentary at all. 
It was Christos, like Christos, Christianos, Christianos. So that's what the Romans would call him, Christianos, and ridicule and scorn and make fun of them. But remember, Jesus did not call his disciples Christians. He called them disciples. And what does the word disciple, where does it come from? The word discipline. So you disciple or you discipline. How many used to get disciplined when you were little? I ain't talking about one, two, three, four. Whoo. Boy, I've got my hide tanned a few times now. I don't mind telling you, my daddy, whenever he would come at me toward that big hand, I'd think, Lord, that hand looked like it's a foot wide and a foot long. Looked like Goliath's hand coming at me. And most of the time, bless his heart, he'd done it when he was mad. When daddy whooped me when he was mad, that day, that made Donnie very sad. <laughs> oh, I, I probably didn't get near enough, so. Mama didn't whip me that much. The last one you've heard me tell it, the last one that mama gave me was I was fixing to get married in a few weeks. Mama stood about that tall, something like that, and I said something smart to her. I was fixing to drive to school. I was a big boy now. I had my license. Fixing to get married to that little lady sitting over there before long. So I figured I'd say some things I'd been wanting to say for a long time. <laughs> Didn't take me long to realize I should have kept my big mouth shut. When my little mama got done with me, you know what I'd done? I cooled off a little bit after she warmed me up. <laughs> and then I went and got in my truck and went to school. Cried like a baby, of course. <laughs> but you know what I realized? Not only did I cry because mama whooped me, but I cried because I'd been so disrespectful to my mama. I'd paid such disrespect to her because she loved us so much. And yet discipline, it's something that's so hard for Christians in this day. Our nation is where it is because she refuses the discipline of God. Our nation is turned into hell. Come on, don't get quiet on me. That's why sodomy is rampant everywhere. And it's not only rampant in the world, but remember in the type. It was there in sodomy. Where did Sodom, where did Lot wind up? In the cities of Sodom. Look, here the Sodomites was knocking on Lot's door. Look out at the denominations. The denominations are open their, their, their church doors to trans and they're open their church doors to drag shows. Oh, what they need is a good display of the Holy Ghost instead of a bunch of dried queens getting our damn in the minds of the poor little kids. Come on, don't sit there and look at me. And yet we wonder where God is. We wonder why God's not in the midst of it. How can Almighty God come to a nation who will allow such in their church and in their military? Come on, somebody. But if we will humble ourselves and let the Lord God come into us and say, God, walk with us, cleanse us, teach us, help us, Lord. I believe the greatest things we have ever seen in our lives lay right before for us. Well, I didn't even get to our Bill of Rights. I hope you people out there on the internet's happy now. You took my whole sermon and hijacked it from these bunch of little angels here. They come to church all dressed up with their Sunday go to meet and clothes on and they come to be patted on the head and rubbed on the shoulder. You bunch of sorry sinners out there. 
Oh, there might be one or two in here. Oh, don't you love him, children? You see, these things we cannot manufacture. Oh, I used to see it in Pentecost where people would manufacture gifts and they would call people out. <clears throat> Prophet tells us in the church age book, they will operate a gift with a margin of error in it. Now you see, it don't mean that everything about it is wrong, but a margin of error. Oh my. Harvest time, December 1964. Brother Bram says, Satan can hand out them supernatural gifts by the handfuls. Can you imagine Satan handing out supernatural gifts? He'll do anything to get your focus off of God's Word. My, some of them guys that I thought was so gifted come to find out they had a girlfriend over here and one over there and one over there. Uh huh. Live one way in front of the people and live another way when they're out by themselves. But myself, I desire to see holiness, righteousness, purity. When I say holiness, I ain't just talking about our sisters neither. I believe this message requires holiness for the brothers. Uh-huh. Yeah, we want to preach holiness and preach all over the women and got some of the sorriest men there ever was hanging around the churches. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. May God help us. May God help us. What if God has allocated a word for your daughter or your son or your husband? And that word cannot be spoken by God himself. It cannot be spoken by an angel. It can only come through your lips. God is waiting on you to get to a place to where when you pray, this person will come up before you and that one and that one and you just kind of push it back and push it back. But when you stand there before God and as John said, and if our hearts condemn us not, then we know we have the petition that we ask of him. How many know what I'm talking about? When you stand before the Lord and there's nothing there. Absolutely nothing. And maybe I'm weird, but this is what I do all the time. I go before the Lord and just want him to do a scan. Now we're familiar with scans in this day, right? CT scans, you know, all kinds of scans and tests and this and that. That's the way I want the Lord to do me. I just tell him, search me, Lord. Is there anything you see in me that you don't like? Is there anything that displeases you? Is there an attitude? Is there a demeanor about me? Is there anything that you don't like about me? Please let me know. Please. I give you my word as your son. I'll fix it. Is that where y'all want me to live? Well, would you really want a pastor that when you get in real desperate need, three o'clock in the morning, 
And it takes him two days to get back with you because he's got so much stuff he's got to fix. I might be dead by then. I want a man, if I'm going to be a sheep and I'm going to follow a shepherd, I want a man that lives right, does right, walks right, and when I need him, he don't have to have 14 altar calls to get right with God himself. He stays right. He stays right. Now what you want? That's the kind of parents you need to be for your children. And young people, that's the type of young people you need to be, maybe for other young people you're going to church with. They might need you. Because sometimes they'll talk to you when they won't talk to me. They'll talk to you when they won't even talk to mom and dad. And if they're talking to you and you're kind of cold yourself and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in worse shape than they are. I can't help them. We need to stay ready 24-7. Christianity is on call every day of the week. And it ain't just for the pastor. Oh, Brother Donnie, I want you to live right on Sunday. Well, I want to live right on Monday because the Lord may call me on Monday. You don't want to just live right on Sunday. You want to live right every day of the week. And if God drops a word in my mouth, what if God will give me a word for your son or a word for one of yours? You want me in and out and up and down and wishy-washy and cold and on fire and cold and on fire, having attitudes in my heart and this and that and other? You want me that way? You don't. And that's fair of you. Because if I don't live the right kind of life, you need to get rid of me. According to the Bible, an elder is supposed to be blameless. Which I'm afraid would disqualify some of our message preachers. Because they're troublemakers, liars, deceivers. How can a man be a pastor and be that? Friends, as we get closer to the end, I think every day ought to be checking up time. I'm under such anticipation for our dedication services, aren't you? Amen. Me and Carol was talking about yesterday, but I told her, I said, you know what? I'm under anticipation for tomorrow and Wednesday and next Sunday and Wednesday and next Sunday. I don't live from camp meeting to camp meeting. I'm one of the guys who preaches a lot of them. Okay. So I live from camp meeting to camp meeting. I'm talking about like from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday. You don't know when he's going to call you. And I don't either. We don't want to live right today and well go out and do whatever tomorrow. We want to live right every day of our life. But I might not need him, Brother Donnie. No, but I might need you. And if I need you, can I depend on you? Can I depend on you being right with God that if I pick up the phone and call your house and say, please pray for me, please. I'm going through this. Well, Brother Donnie, we'll get back with you. We'll get back with you on that. Uh, There's a few things, and I've got an unforgiving spirit, and I've got this and that. You know what I'm going to do? Call somebody else, (laughs) which is what you ought to do. Let's live right. Do right. Then God... Hallelujah. When God can trust us, we thought we're something because he's trusted us with doctrine. Wait till he gives you ramus. I've told you I've met the little sister in India. 
several years ago. Not a preacher, of course. Not a leader of a church. Just a little humble, simple sister. In the time of famine. And God performed the miracle of the book of Kings in the life of this sister. Her meal barrel never run out. And her bottle of oil never run dry. I met her, I talked to the pastors in the vicinity. Them pastors have been there and ate of that meal and watched the meal be pulled out of the bottom of it and every drop of the oil go out. And she'd bake them some bread and then go back in the kitchen for round two. A little sister that wasn't a preacher. I couldn't even pronounce her name. I don't remember her name now. But apparently she was pretty important to God. Don't get your mind on preachers. Oh, this great person, this great, great, great. There's only one great one among us. That's the Lord Jesus. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today. Honestly and sincerely now, let's, let's approach him. And while we're standing here praying, if the Lord places something on your heart, Lord, I, I, I've spoken evil against the pastor. Lord, I, I've said something against my brother, my sister. My, God, I don't want that in my way. Please help me, Lord. Please help me. Heavenly Father, as we stand praying, as you told us to do, Lord God, we ask that you would do a great God scan over each of us today. We're grateful for what medical science has been able to do, and the CT scan, the PET scan, the MRI, all these things they can do, and it shows things wrong in our body but they don't have one that can go in the soul. But I believe the divine scan is right here this morning. Lord, I only planned on spending a few minutes on this, but you had other plans. So I believe you've spoke to us today, Lord. So I pray, begin with me, Lord Jesus. Don't start with the deacons. Don't start with the trustees, the song leaders, but begin with me, O oh Lord. Scan my heart, my soul, my mind, my temperament, everything about me. May my soul pass under your scan, my spirit, what I do, the music I listen to, the places I go, who I fellowship with, who I talk to. May everything about me, Lord God, pass under your scan. And Father, I know I can trust you to be honest and give me a true report of what my scan says. I don't think I have to wait till tomorrow. I don't think I have to wait till next month to schedule an appointment. But I'm asking you now, Lord, if there's anything in my life that displeases you, make it known to me, Jesus. And Father, I pray when you've thoroughly scanned me, may you begin at this pulpit and work backwards if you please or however you wish. Lord God, may you scan every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. 
Father, those streaming the service in France and Norway and Iceland and Africa and Patagonia, wherever they are, Lord God, scan every heart, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every preacher, every sick person, every well person. Lord Jesus, may our lives pass before your great scan. Hallelujah. Lord God, we don't want anything in us that don't please you. Help us, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we worship you now. We bless your holy name, Father. We worship you, Lord. That's it, Lord. That's it. Just go right among the congregation now. Scan their soul. Scan their spirit. Their motives, their objectives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we want this word to be fulfilled in our lives. Lord, if there's a backslider, someone that's lost, dear God, that you would put their word in our mouths. May we be in season and on time. Oh, Lord, that we would be able to speak. Maybe a mother, maybe a father standing here today. I know there are. I can feel it pulling. And I know well enough to know the parents, some of them are concerned about their children. Lord God, help them to realize how important it is to live every day because that word might arrive tomorrow whenever you'll put it in their mouth. We know it was not Brother Branham that told Hattie Wright what to say. It was her choice. If she wanted money, she could have had money. Whatever she wanted, it would have fell right in her lap. What an awesome presence that must have been that day. But what did she ask for? The souls of her boys. What a great thing. Now, the prophet couldn't say it until she said it. Hallelujah. So God was waiting on Hattie. The prophet was waiting on Hattie. Her boys was waiting on Hattie. A little insignificant woman that the world would never know much about. But Almighty God, hallelujah, gave a word. Thank you for that story, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I pray, make it real to everyone here today who has children that's not where they need to be, loved ones that are out, cold, indifferent. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I think of those that are sick today. I think of those, Lord, we've got some that's sick and then we've got some that are desperately sick, Lord. No doubt some of them come and they think, well, maybe God will give Brother Donnie a word. Maybe Brother Darrell will say something. Maybe they're waiting for the special meetings. That may be so. But Lord, it may be you that just drops it in their heart. They're sitting there hearing the doctor's report and all of a sudden they become in tune with another voice. Hallelujah. That's saying the exact opposite of what the doctor is saying. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord God, make us, Father, make us people of such honor and character 
that we can reflect your glory. We don't desire to be anything, Lord. It's not that we're asking that we can be something. We don't want to be nothing. We just want to be what you want us to be. Oh, Jesus, we worship you now, Father. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord? How many did God speak to your heart here today? God bless you. Let's just open our hearts to him now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you will not doubt, but believe what you have said, you shall have what you say. But remember, when you stand praying, forgive. Can't you see why, friends, that some folks will never go on any farther than they are because they just can't forgive. They just cannot get the past out of their mind. Every time they see this person or that person or someone mentions their name, that unforgiveness just raises up in their hearts. Oh, my. Is it really worth you holding on to? Would you forfeit your son coming back to God? Would you forfeit healing for someone else? If there's someone here today that God would give you a word to speak to my daughter, I would beg you, I would plead with you, I would get on my knees and crawl to you from this pulpit. If you're in the back, if you're outside, I would get on my knees and crawl to you and beg you, please let your life be in harmony with God where you could speak that word for my daughter. Wouldn't you do the same? What about your son, your son, some of your loved ones, your husband, your wife? God is calling us to a higher call, friends. Oh, praise the Lord. We don't want to just dedicate this building to God. We want to dedicate ourselves to God. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me just like to have a rededication of yourself right here before the Lord today. Lord willing, next month, Carol and I will be 67 years old. You know, you've heard me tell it many times. I got saved when I was 12, started preaching when I was 18. But today, I'd like to have a rededication of my life to him. Oh, but you're an old man now. Believe me, I know it. I know I am. But I still want to rededicate what I have left. My years, my strength, my energy. Aren't we glad for these elders that are here among us? We look around, we got elders, brothers and sisters. Brother Harvey, I was talking with him the other day and him telling me, him and Sister Shirley was actually dating when Brother Branham was here got to be in the rapture service and some of the other services. And I thought, my goodness, we're so blessed to have people like that standing here among us, other people that's been around for years and years. Don't we appreciate them? Do we want them to give up now? No, we need them. We need them. Hallelujah. Can we pray for each other? Would you mind just laying your hand over on each other? Hallelujah. 
Lord Jesus, we don't know what the needs are today. But Father, we have our hands laid on our brother or our sister. We're asking you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, if we stand here praying today and you bring anything to our heart, help us to fix it. Oh, Jesus, we want to be your servants most of all. As David captured it so many years ago, delight thyself also in the Lord. God, may it be said of each of us that we delight ourselves in Jesus. I wonder how many of our people here today can honestly say Jesus Christ and his word and church and living for him and doing what's right is their greatest delight. It produces such happiness. Here's the key, Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of that heart. Oh, Jesus, we pray you'd forgive us today of our shortcomings. Forgive us of our failures, Lord. Forgive us, oh, Lord, any unforgiveness that we're holding in our heart. Forgive us, Lord, if anyone has trespassed against us and we're still holding that, God. Lord, I've got too many, too many people here today, Lord, that are looking to you, not me, for me to compromise. And well, if I preach that, it'll hurt their feelings. I'm gonna tell them the truth if they get so aggravated at me because they'll love me after a while. I wanna bring them the truth, Lord. It may burn them a little, it burns me too. But Lord, we want the truth. We love you, Jesus. Use us, Father. Not for our glory, not for our honor. All we know of some people in the message, if they would have stood there before the Mount of Olives and they would have spoken, the Mount of Olives would have picked up and been cast into the Sea of Galilee. It wouldn't have been that night. Everybody around their circle would have known it. They'd have told everybody and their brother. And then we wonder why more don't happen among us. I wonder sometimes if we're not bragging on ourselves instead of bragging on you. The way I look at it, a real servant of God can be just as happy when a miracle happens at Brother Tim's church as when the same miracle happens at our church and vice versa. We can be just as happy when the dead are raised up in Africa as we can if it happens in our church, if we have the right attitude. And we can say praise God and we can glorify God just as much whether it happens to our pastor or somebody else's pastor. Because what we want is the glory of God. Help us that we'll never get that way, Lord. Help us we'll never get to a spot that all we testify and testify and testify of what God does in our church. And then we hear what God is doing in other churches. Well, yeah, that's good, that's really nice. I really appreciate it. Shame on us, Lord. If you're doing it, you deserve the glory no matter where it happens. Lord, I'm happy about you here, here, hearing about you healing somebody in the Pentecostal church. I'll be happy this morning, Lord, if you heal somebody in the Baptist church because that mortal God healed and the glory of God was displayed. It's not bringing glory to us. It's not bringing honor to us. It's bringing glory to you, Lord Jesus. Search us, Father. Search us, mold us, shape us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. I'm, we don't have room to make an altar call for anybody, but if everybody, anybody that just want to come up, anybody that just sat like that, anybody that just want to come up and talk to the Lord, you just, you just feel the Lord drawing you and you just want to come up. You can stand right there at your seat, but if you want to take a little trip down here, Lord, I, I just, I want to have today as a rededication service, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't want to be the one that would be hindering my son, my daughter, my nephew, my aunt, my uncle. Lord, I want to be able to pray the prayer of faith. I want to be able to be the one if you'd link me into your channel, Father, that if my son needs healing, that it could be my face. You remember the little woman that had the baby? She was up in the balcony. And there's a sister up there, give her a seat. She said, Sister, I know, I know you've got a prayer card, but I, I just, I'm so burdened for your little, would you be okay with you if I pray for your little child? Why, sure, honey, go right ahead. You remember whenever the prophet, that little baby woman come and brought her baby up in the prayer line. And the prophet said, your baby was already healed. That sister right back there up in the balcony laid hands on her and God healed her right there. Can you imagine how it would have displeased the Lord if that sister would have said, well, who in the world am I? There's Brother Branham here. Who am I? God won't hear my prayer. God's gonna hear Brother Branham's prayer. But for some reason, Brother Jared, God wanted to use that little mother. No doubt she had a feeling in her heart as a mother that maybe Brother Branham couldn't have had. The prophet tells us in one place if she hadn't have done it, God would have rebuked her. But God linked her was that baby's healing. God may link you today. God may link you or you or somebody else with somebody else's healing. Remember the prophet said, when you lead somebody to the Lord, you will be identified with that name throughout eternity. And you imagine, Brother Joel, the people that God has used you to be instrumental? Think about it. Oh, Brother Donnie, just preachers? No, I ain't talking about just the preacher. Brother David King, you. Brother Mike, you. The rest of you brothers and sisters, Brother Jim Maxwell, you brothers and sisters, let your light shine. Let God be able to use you. What if God wants to use you like he did the little woman that had a burden on her heart to go out there and rent a livery stable and she rented it and cleaned it out and contacted a preacher and the preacher come. Down come the aisle comes a little boy with his hair hanging down over his ears give his heart to God. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, a man that led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord Jesus, but God linked that little insignificant woman with all of those thousands of souls. But if you're critical and you've got an unforgiving thing about you, how can God use you? Let's lay it over on him today. Let's sing something, Harry. Let's just worship him a little, shall we? Sister Phoebe turns in this request for Brother Tito, an evangelist of the church in Honduras. Very desperate need that's in his body. Needs a miracle, and he's in the hospital. Lord Jesus, we call the name of our brother in Honduras. Father, as a body, we agree together in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Holy Ghost go into the hospital where our brother is. 
You see this need that he has and how desperate that it is, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke the devil that has attacked our brother's body. We send the word right now faster than a hypersonic missile, faster than an airplane. It would take us hours to be able to get there, Lord, even if we made our arrangements now to be able to get to our brother. But the Holy Ghost is already right there with him in the hospital. We agree together in the name of Jesus. Bring deliverance for our brother now, Father, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Bring your resentment, your bitterness, unforgiveness. All your needs to the Lord. He is so
altar Lay your unforgiveness before the Hallelujah. To help you bring on. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Walk to stand in His presence. Lay the promise he made your soul can be cleansed the flow of the fountain his blood washes
your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Oh, great Adonai, we bless your name today. We exalt you, oh God. We thank you for your great abundant love that you've shown to us Father, that you would take your word and make it a mighty sword. Pierce and divide asunder between the bone and the marrow, the joints, soul and spirit. Get right down to where we live, Lord. We love you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Which of us here today, if the doctor told us we had a tumor and the doctor told us it was operable, And the doctor would tell us, with all certainty, we can go in and take that out, and your life will be changed. You'll be a different person. Oh, Lord, certainly most of us would say, yes, yes, doctor, take it out. Oh, Lord, your word has identified some spiritual tumors, is it word today. Heavenly Father, we don't want to walk out of here. We'd be crazy to walk out of here with that tumor still in our life. But may the Holy Ghost come, Lord. Perform a surgery, dear God. Oh, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, the doctor may say, we can't do it. It's too close to the brain. It's too close to this or that. But there ain't no spiritual tumor that's too close that the hand of God cannot reach down in there and cut it out. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you today, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, loves him with all your heart. Oh, don't you just appreciate his goodness and his mercy to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Sing something else. Harry, let's just worship him a little now before we go. I know you got plans, no doubt, after church today, dinner and this and that and the other. But let's just worship him a little before we go. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We just worship you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I do. I do, Jesus. Mercy never fails. Everybody now, let's just sing it together and worship Him. Hallelujah. I've been in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my hand. Of the goodness of God, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up. Till I lay my 
of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Set your wings to the winds of faith. You can fly in a higher place. Do not struggle. It's by grace. Set your the winds of faith. Set your wings to the winds of faith. You can fly in a higher And one by faith Take the word of God Or what you see What you believe Is what will be What's your cry? What's your mountain? But too high. Speak the word of God and by and by it will move. the eagle 
in the sky he does not struggle he does not strive for the power that makes him rise it's already in the sky set your wings to the winds of faith you can fly in a higher place do not struggle Enjoy the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Let's just sing this song, Psalms 34, as you're dismissed this morning. Go in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Come back Wednesday night believing, expecting. Amen. God to move again. Oh, I sought the Lord, and He answered me. And delivered me from every fear. Those who look on Him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounds His saints. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. in him oh fear the Lord oh all ye saints he'll give you everything oh he'll give you everything oh magnify the Lord with me come exalt Glorify 
bless the Lord every day and night, never ending praise. Since rise, oh, let us bless the Lord every day and night, never ending praise. May our incense rise, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, come exalt His name together, glorify the Lord with me. Exalt his name forever. Singing as you go this morning. Oh, let us bless the Lord every day and night, never ending praise. May our incense rise. Let us bless the Lord. Every day and night, never-ending praise. May our incense rise, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name together, glorify. name forever magnify the Lord 